Greetings. I am Alea Zafarin Alzada Bay, sharing my visions, namely intuitive downloads, which I do call them with you. From my place to your place, let's get started. I call this episode, uh, I didn't check, but it's probably the 26th episode pertaining to um, intuitive downloads, that is. It's called, um, I gave it this name, The Sheath and the Sword. script (laughs) there are some intuitive downloads that sincerely pull at my heartstrings for one reason or another for me this is episode 26 for it leads to some fundamental changes to take place all right the vision goes as this the vision a sword was returned to its sheath by a mysterious hand. Firstly, it was wrapped in red and white striped cloth. Okay. The words of interest are sword, return, sheath, hand, wrap, red, white, striped cloth. Okay, the energy is nine. That means it's... uh, it's vibrating upward in an upward motion. Okay. Mood, mysterious, maybe even dangerous. All right. So those are my impressions before that were placed um, as far as my intuition pertaining to this episode. Uh, the mood describes that. And the energy was the energy at the time before I did the interpretation. So let me begin again. Let's start with the sword's spiritual significance. Obviously, it serves as protection. Also, it's a sim- uh, symbolic for righteousness, justice, and it's. Uh, what we call discriminating, a word that's given for it. I'll explain later. Um, When I desire to read the Bible, I usually get the Hebrew Bible. It's called the Tanakh, but uh, I had to get the King James Bible to look one specific specific verse that will tie in um, the meaning of a sword. Alright. Hebrews 4.12 in the King James goes as this. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any twitch sword piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So 
another word for uh, dis- discriminating, as it's called when you you know in the dictionaries when you describing a sword. Um, the sword is symbolic of you know a very acute. I don't know if that's the word I want to use. A very uh, high ability to discern. Okay. Um, furthermore, to cut to the chase, swords are accessories of nobility. All others adorn themselves with spears. Uh, who could, uh, who could, or would carry a sword? A king, warrior, and judge to show power and authority. Also, to give a sword in, to give a sword is the transfer of authority. In certain cases, it depends on what the situation is. Some would say that the sword is the male principle, whereas the sheath, sheath, is the female principle. Now, I'm going to go further into the rabbit hole in reference to swords, uh, what type of swords that are out there. Um, But let me just do what I have here, and then um, I'll expound later. Now, I will list the names of some notable swords, okay? Uh, and also geographically, all right, North Africa swords, specifically Algeria, is the Flaisa, Sudan, the Kaskara, Kemet, the Kopes. Now, Kemet has um, been infiltrated many times. And, different kings and things of that sort so I, I did write it down twice during for the ones the sword for the 18th and 9th century for Kemet the Mameluke sword of the 18th and 19th century um, more on North Africa Morocco and Algeria but specifically during the 18th century the Nimcha East Africa swords, Somali, the Bilal, Eritrea, Ethiopia, the Shotel, West African swords, Ghana and Togo, Akrafina, Nigeria and Benin, the Ida, Mali and Niger, the Niger, the Tacoba, Central African swords, the Ikakalaka, the Mambele, okay. Western Central Asian swords. This is would be can't be be considered the uh, Middle East. I'll just name one because they have a short sh- sword also. But I did didn't feel the need to go into that further. So. Shereb, um, 
that's the name of the Hebrew sword. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah Shereb. During the time of the Hebrew Bible, okay? So I have Japan, sometimes called Japan with a Y, the Tachi, the Odachi, the Tantu, the Wakizashi, and the Uchigatana. Okay? And then we have the Celtic god of swords. We have Lug, L-U-G-H, and Lug, L-U-G. The sheath means, I guess that'll be the next word. The sheath means enjoying a happy, secure union. Okay? Now, Muhammad had a sword, and Muhammad's sword was called the Zufi Kwar. The Zufi Kwar. Okay? The sword alludes to heavenly and earthly earthly power and authority. This brings used to the topic of another notable sword, the Excalibur. There might be four. Oh. The Irish Calabog. Calabog. The Irish Calabog means a hard belly or a hard belly. The, the sword is described as hard belly. They give another word. I'm just going to stay there. <laughs> Not going any further into that. All right. Um, so we know we have the mythical story of Camelot. And more specifically pertaining to swords, the Excalibur. This being King Arthur's sword. King Arthur of Camelot. When people call things a myth, you must take a second look at the matter. Um, Because even myths hide uh, nuggets of truth, custom, culture, and so on and so on. Because once they're being for instance, as time advances on, things change. And because they change, it does not mean that at one time something did not happen. For instance, uh, because once there being dinosaurs, pterodactyls, and giants. Okay? And scientific records of former different life forms and lifestyles and cultures. Even biblical records of massive changes, for example, Noah and the Ark, the Deluge. I'm just bringing this up that uh, because it's labeled a myth, it does not mean that. 
the concept and the story might be archaic, but not totally false. Okay. Um, and also, I want to say I'm not a scientist or an archaeologist. I'm simply offering my interpretation, uh, my vision interpretation intuitive, intuitively for the collective. What is acceptable and the norm today may not be tomorrow because of change. Nevertheless, this intuitive download mirrors the story of King Arthur and the Round Table, the rightful possessor of the Excalibur, caliber, according to the story. Most of us do know this story, which does have variant aversions. Okay, I will complete the list of words of interest now so we can get more into the story. I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to paraphrase the story to make it uh, more brief. Now, the Excalibur means fertility and destruction, divine kinship and great power. Excalibur's magic is the ultimate, is ultimate power. Now, I, I found out something else that I think is so cool. There's, uh, it's this, this, uh, group of women called the Sisterhood of Avalon. And I think their, their, um, website is the Sisterhood of Avalon, Avalon, Avalon.org. Very interesting. I read their uh, webpage introduction. Very interesting. So that's something you could do on your own. Avalon means island of apples, sacredness, mysticism, and spiritual transformation. Avalon symbolizes vital power and profound change. Avalon is a place of restorative power. Uh, These swords of nobility are usually golden. Golden Sword of Justice. Um, Celtic meaning purification through the process of life and death. Okay, so we've got the process of life and death. Mm, Which is something else Um, when energy when there's uh, you know man and woman representative energy and energy never dies it may take on another form another avatar but energy never dies okay so let's talk about Camelot. I've got my notes organized in just a few words. All right. 
the characters in this story of Camelot was King Arthur, and he had a round table of uh, knights where they decided how to build Camelot, okay? And Camelot was this community within the castle gates uh, being protected. And the sword of the king is Excalibur. Merlin, the magician, was like his best friend, but he was a mystic or had mystical powers. There was Queen Guinevere, which is the very uh, consort of King Arthur, the queen, okay? And also, there's a character that lives in the immortal world that we'll call Aunt Verlene. Okay. <laughs> and then we have King Arthur's trusted knight, Sir Lancelot. All right, and then there is Arthur's consort and Avalon. So Arthur had a he had a wife or he he had a consort in Avalon and he had a consort in Camelot. I'll explain it. And then there's the mystical sisters of Avalon. Okay. The action did take place in two different dimensions. Arthur was born to live between two worlds, the mortal and the immortal, to bring them together and to keep the strong from preying on the weak. The setting. Uh, first, Camelot is the place that King Arthur was to build, and that was a uh, built on the shores of England, somewhere in England. Uh, the movie suggested Cornwall, but somewhere in England, somewhere in the British Isles in England. Camelot being built in England. We established that. Now, Avalon is the immortal place. Now, the mortal place is in England, but the immortal place is Avalon being an island with a secret location that could be accessed by boat by Merlin. Avalon means the island of apples. Setting, the beginning. Merlin rescues a male infant to bring him to the magical to magical Avalon. He looks across. And he sees uh, 
from the space from Avalon. He looks somewhere in England and he sees uh, fighting and dwellings being burned. He goes into uh, a dwelling that's beginning to burn and he rescues this infant child, male child, covers him, puts him in his ship, his boat, and he, uh, I'll say ship, out boat. He puts him in his boat and travels back to Avalon. All right. There in Avalon, the mystical sisters of Avalon are at play, swirling and dancing in a large circle. Merlin enters with baby Arthur. Now, this is the immortal realm in Avalon with the the sisters. And they're dancing in circle, a large circle. Um, It could be a ritual they're doing. Uh, just a dance at play a playful dance or a ritual but they're dancing around and uh, Merlin introduces the baby to uh, the women and one blurts out that this is Avalon we don't have males in Avalon and uh, at this time Verlaine says this child has no place to go, has no parents, and we are all connected. We will keep this child and take care of this child, even here in Avalon. So that's how Arthur came to Avalon. And there he was engaged in all types of lessons about nature. He played with the animals. He swam. He played, he, um, how would you say? He would um, transform himself because it's a very magical place. He would transform himself into different animals to learn different things about nature and so on and so on. So he really loved the place. And as he grew up, um, Verlaine did uh, introduce her sister, I think she she was a relative of hers, introduced um, Morgan to Arthur. And they had a union together even though he's mortal and she was immortal. She was a goddess. And they had, uh, they were ceremonially made into a union together. And after that uh, ceremony, what followed was Merlin and Berlin brought Arthur to a place where there was a golden sword stuck into a, a, a large rock, substantial rock. And Merlin told Arthur to pull the sword out. 
And so, with some effort, Arthur was able to remove the sword. And in doing so, Merlin let him know the man or the person that removes the sword shall be king. And so, that all happened. So, now, he's given his he's told his destiny and his destiny is to go go to Britain or England I'm sorry go to England and keep the strong from praying on the weak there was a problem there where the strong were constantly praying on the weak And that was something that Arthur needed to fix. That was his destiny. And part of that destiny to create a community called Camelot. And this community of people that um, needed a fortress against those harmful things living inside of the walls of Camelot once it was built by King Arthur, Sir Lancelot, and so on, and even the Moors that were present there that helped with the plumbing and the outdoor lighting, street lights, and I won't say street lights, but plumbing and other things that the Moors shared with uh, England at that time, even though they don't make that point, but all those innovations were brought by the Moor. Many of the kings and queens could not uh, read or write at that time, just if the truth be told. But anyway, so he does all these things. He, He comes to England And the first encounter he has, he has with uh, Guinevere. Guinevere is stuck in a sticky situation where she's being uh, pursued by a a dragon. And uh, she has nowhere else to go after she's rescued by King Arthur. So he says, well, join me. And he, he's, uh, he acquires more friendships as he goes along. Eventually, it comes down to three. Sir Lancelot, a knight that he's befriended, befriended and also Guinevere. Now, Guinevere, after they uh, build Camelot, the people within uh, this community called Camelot inside the castle chose Arthur as king they crowned him as king so you have Arthur and Guinevere was crowned as his queen or consort then we have Sir Lancelot which is his trusted knight. So you have these three, but it was actually 
King Arthur that built Camelot. Okay, and it's a long story, but he builds a, he builds Camelot, and he's fought all the dragons and all the bullies and whatever, and the people feel secure. And while he was doing all this, um, his consort, Queen Guinevere, and his best friend, Knight, were having an affair. And of course, Merlin and Berlin uh, often visit him in times when he was uh, bewildered and and visiting gave him good advice and directed him. You know, almost like a, um, I don't know, it's like there's an invention. Well, I'll come back to that, maybe. All right, so um, that's what happened. But little did he know he had a son. We'll say the son's name was Morton. Morton was a, the uh, son of Morgan, his consort, um, in the immortal world. Okay, so uh, the son joined the Round Table, uh, the League of the League of um, Knights that protected and gave order to Camelot. But he noticed that his the queen was being unfaithful and that wedged it wedged to some or created some animosity between the dad and the son. And you have to understand that King Arthur was grew up in in, in uh, Avalon. So his perspective of peace and and things like that. He did not take it. He knew it was what happened was wrong as disloyal, but his love for both of their friendship uh, kind of trumped what he should have been feeling about the situation. Well, his son and Sir Lancelot got together and created their own army. No, yeah. Something like that. And they came against the king, and King Arthur died. He was struck by a sword, and he died. Um, they came for him. The immortal world, um, Marlin and uh, Verlin came for uh, King Arthur's body, and King Arthur clung to the golden sword, and so the golden sword and King Arthur came back to the immortal realm. Okay? And uh, came back to Avalon. So that's the story of King Arthur. And on his leaving, he told his son, Morton, to continue the peace. To continue extending extending what Avalon uh, not, uh, what, uh, not Avalon, but what uh, Camelot meant. And so he came back and he has another consort 
And this consort is called Morgan. Morgan and Soleia. He's reunited with the mother of his son, Morton, in the immortal realm. He is a mortal living in the immortal realm. And his son is part mortal and immortal. And so that's the story. Now, the interpretation. There's some other words, adventures like white, red, claw, hand, wrap. And they tie into the interpretation. So I'll just read the interpretation. And it goes as such. Uh, white means peace, purity, a path or bridge that connects this world and the next. Okay? So that's what that represented. Um, there's perfect balance there, unity and harmony, innocence, peace, virginity, solemn, hope, kindness, consideration, simplicity, idealism, and consistent character, spirituality, patience, soothing, and generosity, hospitality, and stability. Okay, this other realm making that connection, the mortal and mortal realm, making a connection, a path, and them and having uh, uh, the mortal realm gleaning from the immortal, the mortal, gleaning from the immortal. Okay? Wrap sacred rituals and blessings that can spiritually protect us, keeping negative energy out and positive energy within us. Okay, and just like King Arthur, to have new life and regeneration, something must die. King Arthur died, but he was able to uh, rise again. So these are the precepts, precepts that it represents peace, purity, and a path or bridge that connects this world and the next. So, that's it. I did enjoy my time with you, and now I must say bye for now. From my place to your place, thank you. And my disclaimer, for those that are new to my listening audience, these are my visions, vision interpretations, and energy forecast for myself and the collective, my listening audience. My content, some will resonate with you and some will not. In that case, enjoy my efforts and content as entertainment value. Okay, this is Alea Zafrin Alzada Bay signing out. Take care. Bye. For now.